Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I refuse to go to A, skinny jean, or B, short shorts. Well, you know what? No, no one's asking you. I don't you care. Just, yeah. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. The left hit well to left. Williamson back. Go on a home run for Scope. A two run. Three to two. Castro sends one high and deep to right. It's back and long gone. Ground ball base hit right field. Cruz around third. He'll be waved home. And the Twins take the lead. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. The Twins with a new high watermark. 23 games over 500. And in case you haven't gotten the message, we have a five-day-a-week twin show. It's called the Score North Twin Show. Noon every single day. On demand anywhere you find podcasts. The Glenn Perkins episode earlier today. And uh, I bring up Glenn Perkins because we are going to devote this entire first segment and maybe even more. Maybe even more. Okay. To multiple pieces of dangerously reckless speculation. Dangerously? Dangerously how reckless da- speculation. Oh, wait, wait, how dangerous? How dangerous? Yeah, because I. I might take the rest of the show off if that's the case. I don't want to get hurt. Speculation. Dangerous enough that we need to set off the trade rumor alert system? Do we have that? Is it that dangerous? Do we have the trade rumor alert system? We should have been prepared for this. <laughs> where oh, is, we've still got it. Where Let's is the trade rumor alert system? <laughs> right on the bottom left. I could I'll always do, do it just live. Just have them do it live. There's always the option. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can you just do it live every time? <laughs> Anytime. Anytime you want it live, just I let me know. Okay, now it's in green for you, Phil. Nope, that's, that's, that's not it. Nope. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. I think that was an improvement. Yeah. I think that was I think the new one's better. I've been working on it. Save the new one. <laughs> the emergency trade alert system, or otherwise known as Rami dying on the microphone, apparently. The EOT system. Good God. Where would you even come up with that? Like, what? That's what it sounds like to me when you hear the emergency alert system. That annoying tone that they <laughs> So, before we get to the Glenn Perkins, the Glenn Perkins trade scenario he threw out earlier today, and we'll, and we'll play that back for you. Judd, you found something from Ken Rosenthal. Why don't you? Why yeah, don't you uh, deliver this to us? Well, let me. This see. is a very credit. This is like if there's a Mount Rushmore okay. of National Baseball insiders. Ken oh, Rosenthal of is the George Washington. Well, yeah, he's one Peter Gammons is the Peter George Gammons, Washington. He's probably like Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> okay, maybe he's Lincoln. A, he, he might be he's Lincoln. Lincoln. He's he, Lincoln. I'll give him Lincoln. He likes bow ties. Actually, he's he's pretty short. Lincoln was a tall guy, but they both wear bow ties. That's true. I'm going to give him Lincoln. Yeah, I'm going to say Ken Rosenthal's Lincoln on the Rushmore of baseball writers and. Gammons is who? George, George Washington. Washington. Yeah, because yeah. his time is basically done. He's got too. wooden teeth. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Yep. So, the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal seven hours ago published a piece, and I started to read this, and I've heard some things, but not a ton. But in, I guess you you could call this connecting the dots, putting the pieces of the puzzle together, gentlemen. Ken Rosenthal wrote in the Athletic in his MLB column: "We begin today with a trade idea." Not one based on factual information, just common sense. Trevor Bauer to the Twins. What you say? Can't trade within the division? Can't allow Bauer to haunt the Indians not only this season, but also next? To quote a certain former Angels manager, Poppycock. Now, I'm going to put the pieces of the puzzle together like this by saying Ken Rosenthal, as you guys just said, 
super plugged in, right? One of the best. So let's just say Ken Rosenthal got a wild hair idea from somebody in the know about something. What often happens, I, I can tell you from my... Yeah, he's not just like making this correct. up. He's too credible to make and, this up. And what often happens in situations like this is if that idea comes from very close to a source that you value greatly, they'll say, I can't be connected to it. Reckless speculation. This is why it's good to have Judd broke every Viking story on the beat for like five years. Yeah, yeah. main Vikings beat writer for a while. Judd was the lead Vikings oh, beat writer at the Star Tribune and Star Tribune.com. Lead Vikings beat writer. Sorry, Chip Scoggins. But <laughs> but but that's how it works sometimes, right? Where yes. you're you're a you're a purveyor of information and you'll just flip something that you you don't want to burn a source, and so you'll flip something as your opinion, Correct. even though it's sourced information. Correct. By the way, Mike Russo does a great job of that on the hockey beat for The Athletic, too. So my guess is, is that Rosenthal was told by his source, you can't say sources, because it, if you do that, it might get back to me, and I might be in trouble. Because any Bauer to the Twins talk would be very preliminary right now and might not just involve the Twins. So I don't think this piece is just common sense alone. I think that this is something that I am not promising is going to happen. But when you connect the pieces again, Falvey to the Indians, Falvey to Bauer, Falvey to that pipeline, the Twins potentially not being afraid to make a trade that would send a pretty prominent player to or some prospects to a team within their division Ken Rosenthal is not just making this up. Let's flush this out a little bit further. So, Trevor, Are you saying this isn't even reckless speculation? Or maybe not even it's, speculation? It's No, it's Are not. Are you speculating that this isn't speculation reckless. is what I'm asking? It's, it's not reckless. It's probably slightly premature speculation. But it could very well make sense. Okay. So Trevor Bauer is a free agent after the season. So he's in that Madison Bumgarner category of pure rental and more so than anyone, because he's on the record saying, I'm only going to sign one-year contracts the rest of my career. Which I seems can't pretty believe that. So you're telling me if someone offers you a one-year $20 million deal and someone offers you a five-year $100 million, you're turning down $100 million? Could not believe that. His but, argument is that the market is constantly going up for pitchers, so as long as he's at the top of the will, game, why would he cap himself yeah. by committing to something long He long-term? will be shot by a friend from close range in the, gro- in the groin with a paint gun. Or that's the bet, right? That's the bet. Yeah. If he does it, he is what? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. He said that's the big deal. He bet a friend he'll only take one year contracts, and if he takes a multi year contract, then he has to get shot in the groin with a paintball gun. According to if this you're wondering film, whether he's normal or not, he's not. <laughs> no, I knew that. In Spotrack, it says arbitration four for 2020 for Bauer. Is that right? Um, yeah. No, they have another year of team control. After oh, I'm this sorry. One. You're right. Yeah. 100. Okay. So you guys you are be, right. I'm wrong. Yes, you're right. He's but you'd be paying a lot. But you'd be paying a lot in 2020. He, here's the concern I would have. All right, like I'll take Trevor Bauer, but when it comes down to how much do you have to pay in terms of like, is it Royce Lewis or is it Brent Rooker? Like, what am I giving up for for prospects? Here's what I would be worried about. He leads the major leagues in walks issued out. Now he also leads the league in innings, so it's you know he doesn't have the highest walk rate, but his walk rate is sky high. He has one year. In the eight years he's been in the major leagues, six full-time as a starter, he has really one big-time year under his belt, and that was last year. And now this year, he's kind of reverted reverted back to just being a good, not great pitcher. So six years as a starter, five years being good, fine, one year being maybe the best pitcher in all of baseball. I'd just be a little bit nervous that I'm paying for something that doesn't exist anymore. Like I'd be paying for last year's version of the Trevor mirage, Bauer. the mirage that yes. last year possibly was. And he might be a guy that makes my clubhouse wonky. And there's a great piece from ESPN.com today that came out diagramming the Twins clubhouse and the culture that they've created. And so I would be a little bit nervous about if I'm not getting a top top dog pitcher and he's a weirdo. I don't need a guy who's my number three starter also being weird in the clubhouse. Read the piece last week. Not to say that this this means he'd get along with everybody in the Twins clubhouse, but I didn't know that he and Barrios had a connection. That Bauer went down to Puerto Rico, visited Barrios and uh, Javi Baez, and like worked in there. They have like a camp down there for underprivileged kids in Puerto Rico and worked with the kids, participated in the camp, the whole nine. So there's obviously one guy in the Twins clubhouse who's a fan and called himself a friend of Trevor Bauer's. And a guy who probably holds some sway, wouldn't you think, Barrios? 
Ideally, yes. Right. I'm just and I and I don't know for sure. I'm just I'm just I think you have to consider all variables here. I don't think it's just an automatic, oh my god, like trade everything for Trevor Bauer. I think there's a lot of things in play here, including his performance this year is in the twins got to him already, the twins get to everybody, but he hasn't been nearly as good this this year as he was last year. He, the, last year was a standout season of the six he's pitched so far, and I think that's worth noting. Now they're they're without what right now, starting pitcher wise. Kluber they've been out with for has been out for a while. Clevenger's been out for a while. Carrasco's out now. So Salazar's been out for two. yeah. So my question my question would be if you put him in the middle of a rotation or at the top of a rotation that went Barrios, Bauer, Odo. I mean, right that, now Bauer would be your three. Would that help him? Yeah, but would that help him? It is too much being asked on an average uh, to below average ball club right now of him where he would slot in if you brought him here to a rotation that right now is stronger. My gut says that's mostly narrative that you're just you're going to go out and you're going to pitch the way that you're going to pitch. If he's putting too much pressure on himself to be perfect and that's and maybe that's affecting his performance. I don't know if the Twins have an edge over the Indians in terms of being able to spot something in his mechanics. I think the Indians, I mean, there's a reason why Derek Falvey got hired to do this. It's because of the Indians' pipeline. Do you guys think that Falvey would potentially uh, pay the going price, which might be pretty substantial for Bauer, based on the fact that he does know him, though? If he's comfortable with him, it would not be an unknown commodity to one of the most important people acquiring him. Yeah, you would think so. There, and Rosenthal talks about that in the article that the the comfort level with the organization and his former employer and the player himself in Bauer that that often will facilitate a trade, even if it's in the same division. So yeah, I think that that might grease the rails a little bit if there is a deal being talked about here. But I don't, I, I hear what Phil is saying, and I, I don't think that those concerns are. Uh, or something that can just be brushed away. He has one really good year under his belt. But again, if you're bringing him here and asking him to be his number, your number three for a playoff rotation, his numbers are good enough in most years to be a very, very good number three for a playoff team. Are they not? Yes. Yes. If we trust that Jake Odorizzi is is who he is as a number two. Well, I do. It's also possible that Odorizzi is, if not likely, Odorizzi is overperforming what his baseline will be at the end of the year and Bauer is underperforming. So, what yeah, let's, sure. those guys let's will, say they flip. Yeah. Um, again, it depends on the price. If you're asking me, how do how would I feel about a Barrios, Bauer, and Odorizzi, Odorizzi playoff rotation? I love it. Give me all of that. You know that. what? That's fun. But wh- where you're going to go next is more fun, I think. Let's do that when we come back here, actually. The, the recklessness of that one to me is just fantastic. <laughs> and by the way, I love it. This one, speculation. this one scares me a little bit more. Did you say premature speculation? Yeah, it's before? premature speculation. Can you see a doctor for that? Or um, I don't think you. I don't there? think you want to. No. Okay. No. No. Right. No. Rip the bandaid off. Okay. You don't want to see a doctor for that. Premature speculation. Some of the best speculation you'll get. Sometimes you want the speculation to be like slow and romantic. Oh, not at this station. <laughs> oh no! Now Phil can tell you this: the the Mackie and Judge show, and now its current incarnation has never tried to slow the speculation. Hal Kimball tweets in. We all know. We all know. At Jay Zolgad does not suffer from premature speculation. <laughs> so if, if you're if you're if you're listening live right now, you're driving around six five one six four six eight two five five. Are you interested in Trevor Bauer? Are you interested in a year and a half of Trevor Bauer? And you'd have to pay a price of some kind. Six five one six four six eight two five five. But when we come back here, part two of, of a reckless speculation opening to the show, we'll get to Viking stuff too, but Glenn Perkins threw a scenario out on the Scorna Twin Show. He said, I will trade this for that. And I was like, whoa, okay. All right. So we'll talk about that here from the TCL studio. TCL is the proud sponsor of Score North Studios and also of the Mackie and Judd uh, with Rami show. Uh, I saw that uh, I was watching that Letterman Netflix special and uh, and they were tour- touring around the Ellen DeGeneres studios because Ellen was one of the guests on the show. And Ellen DeGeneres is another A-list celebrity just like Mackie and Judd with Rami that sits in a TCL studio all day. If you're looking to watch Bombas in 4K picture quality, TCL is the place. TCL is the screen you want to be staring at. Go to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and just do a comparison. Just do a little little wall or window shopping. Stare at a TCL TV and then stare at another one. Look at the connected entertainment options with that built-in Roku device. And then look at the price also. All of those boxes will be checked in favor of TCL. I guarantee it. 
TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand for a reason. And uh, you can just visit their website to find out more, too. TCLUSA.com. Mackie and Judd with Rami. It's reckless speculation season, baby. Thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500. And the Score North mobile app, if you don't have it, go get it. It's free and available for Apple and Google. And it's your uh, one-stop shop for all things Score North. Our show's on demand. Subscribe and rate to your favorite podcast. And you can listen live the longer you listen live the more points you rack up to earn rewards from us because we love you here at Score North. And it's also your one-stop shop for all uh, written content from scorenorth.com, including frequent columns from our very own Judd Zolgad. We started off the show with some reckless and premature speculation concerning your uh, Minnesota Twins, Ken Rosenthal, saying that a uh, Trevor Bauer to the Indians deal deal makes a lot of sense. We have even more reckless speculation in just a second. If you want to get... And on the show, 651-646-8255. Jeff in Burnsville dialed that. Now he's on Mackie and Judd with Rami. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, I was just calling about that Bauer does nothing for me, but I do like the idea of absolutely going in on Syndergaard, whether you got to give up Kirloff or Lewis, it don't matter to me, and then a bunch of other prospects. And somebody brought up a pretty good point, too, about, you know, our prospects that we got, we've got to make a trade anyway and stuff because, like they said, if we're stacked down there, we're going to lose some guys, you know, for nothing, you know, that won't make the 40-man roster. So they're going to make a big trade, I think. So it's Somewhere. funny, Jeff, that you bring up the name Noah Syndergaard, which is a great segue into – we're going to play you uh, for sure one clip here. Glenn Perkins on the Scorner Twin Show earlier today. And we were just taking questions from people on Twitter. And I guess send us your questions. We'll get to some, you know, this and that. And somebody asked, who would you trade for and what would you give up? And this is part one of his answer. I, I mean, I, you know, I've said, I think, a couple times on this show, if anybody's available, if this isn't like, oh, this guy was reported or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Mets guys. I'm looking at Syndergaard and, and Dick Rom. I mean, I, I think that's where you start. That's the That's the top. Those guys are available. I think you got to try to work something out. Wow, that's, that's just uh, it's that it's that it's that help you now and help you later thing that I like that I've talked about what the Astros did with Verlander and Cole. And and if you if you're not going if you're not going after somebody that's going to make your your entire staff better, it it just it seems like a stopgappy. It seems like a eh, ain't going to really help you. A little bit of a wild card thing. Like I, I want I would I would go try to get a an ace. Okay, Syndergaard. What would you give up to get him? So you would get. Age 26, 27, and 28, Noah Syndergaard, for $6 million and then whatever else you would get in arbitration. So you'd be getting a very much discounted Syndergaard, but you might be buying low a little bit because his numbers aren't dominant this season. Yeah. So if you think he's you're healthy just, and you can tweak some things. <laughs> you're still, you're looking at. You have to trade Rice Lewis for that, don't you? Yeah. And I, and I don't know if I particularly have a problem with that. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Speculation. Welcome to the club, Perk. Yeah, really. He just jumps right in the pool, right in the score north pool. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would you trade Royce Lewis for two and a half years of Noah Syndergaard, knowing that Noah Syndergaard is uh, 26 years old? He's having the worst season of his career to this point, but it's still, still, it's still okay. He's got a four and a half ERA, but you know, striking some guys out, throwing 97 miles an hour. Mets aren't exactly. The most, uh, I don't think you wake up in the morning and get charged up to play for the New York Mets these days, right? Right. Would you guys pull the trigger on that? What? Okay, very quickly, do we know the arm history here? That's, that's what makes me a little bit skittish. What's the arm history? Well, he hasn't pitched a full season since 2016. He missed a large chunk of 2017. Um, only 25 starts last year at 2000. So he's not, he's not Mr. Durable. Okay. He's never pitched even 90 innings in a season. Okay. So that would be the. I mean, that's that would be the fear if you're the Mets too. Like the Mets are looking at it, saying, "Well, if we're not going to be, you know, I know the Mets are kind of conflicted as to whether they're buying and selling and contending or not." It's New York. There's always pressure to to push forward, but they've looked at him and said he's not durable. So if somebody could, if somebody would give us full price for a guy that isn't durable, I'm sure they're open to listening. But again, I think you're. I don't think you're going to be able to convince the Mets. Hey. He's not durable, and he has a four and a half ERA. Give him to us for yeah. nothing. It's still probably a Royce Lewis caliber it prospect if, that gets him. Okay, if my medical staff clears him completely, and my baseball ops people tell me that if there is an issue there, if that it can be fixed uh, pretty quickly, 
Given his background, yes, I make the trade. Okay, there's one yes. Rami? The injury history really makes me hesitant here with Noah Syndergaard. If we're talking about DeGrom, I don't, I don't hesitate well, at DeGrom's all. DeGrom's like 32. I know. And they, just, and they just paid him some big money. But then again, you're getting him for years. If you, if you could work out something for DeGrom. The only reason I'd probably say yes with Syndergaard is because... That Mets medical and training staff, they just can't seem to get it right with anybody. So I don't know that I don't know that all of Syndergaard's problems have necessarily been his fault or that he's injury prone. I remember hearing a story that he went home one offseason and told the Mets, Hey, I'm gonna go put on twenty pounds of muscle. And they're like, All right, cool. And they let him just go off and do it on his own and didn't give him a throwing program while he was putting on twenty pounds of muscle. And surprise, surprise, in the first month of the season, he tears one of his gigantic lats <laughs> that he acquired over the course of the offseason. So like we don't actually want you to be Thor <laughs> right? From, yeah. from the Marvel series. You can put on 20 pounds of muscle, I would assume, but there's probably a way to do it if you're a pitcher and still keep that, that flexibility and bendability in your yeah. arm and, and your body. So I would hope that a lot of the problems with his injury and his his shoulder in in the past have been a result of bad advice and supervision from the Mets as an organization. So are you and a, pull the trigger on the deal? So you yeah. are yes, yeah. So we're both well, yes. So you both just traded Royce it, Lewis yeah. for no. Sense I've said before that I'm I'm willing to trade Lewis or Kirloff if the right arm presents itself, and that's a rare arm. I've got a Lewis question quickly here. Okay, and then I need to t- I need to talk through this because I yes okay. But if we're okay. I'm going to help you. In Phil fact, in fact, we, are, in fact we, are, we are sitting at a table at Target Field. We are the Twins Brass, and we are considering this. I have a question to throw out there about Royce Lewis, and it's this. We just brilliantly, I didn't know, signed Polanco to a long-term contract. Mm. Polanco's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. We probably, if we really want to, can keep scope. Uh, Nick Gordon has been hurt and not hurt and disappointing and not disappointing at different times, but there are times where he doesn't not look like he would be a bust at second base. The way that we are now uh, shifting players in today's game makes the premium on a shortstop a little bit different than it was five years ago because the shortstop can be at second base a lot of times now. Anyway, my question... Look at you devaluing Royce Lewis. Right well, that's now. my question. My, no, my question is, is, is his value such right now that he really should be a trade chip? That we're thinking about this uh, circa 2005 shortstop, and that the reality is we've got a shortstop. He's playing pretty damn well. He doesn't play shortstop all the time. Mm-hmm. There are potential replacements at second base. If if we were to assume the Polanco was going to shift over to second base for us, should this conversation be about the fact that Royce Lewis is an eminently valuable chip that we mm-hmm. should be using? If he's uh, if he's a, a- a great player, you'll you'll find a place for him. I, I don't. Sure. I don't think the fact that you have Polanco at shortstop devalues him for your your own uses, your intent at all. If, if you have to re- move, I, okay. if you have to move Polanco to second, should be rethinking this a little bit. More open minded to that than I was a month ago when I said I oh, would trade him. I've been saying all along I'd trade him. Okay. By the way, you, you also have Wander Javier in your system as another top prospect shortstop. So you've got Polanco who just signed a contract. You've got Wander Javier. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is also us trying to talk ourselves into it. So I want to talk through this. Organizational I think depth. I'm the, I've been the least likely to say, yeah, I'll, I'll trade Kirloff or Royce Lewis. Yeah, you're a prospect hoarder. I think you're a prospect hoarder. I mean, I think we need to hold I'm an intervention. Royce, I'm, a, I'm a Royce Lewis hoarder. Like if, you walked, if you walked into he's the number one overall pick, if you he's walked the into number one overall pick, if you walked into Phil's brain, he has he has prospects like stacked to the <laughs> ceiling. Cluster. Oh come on! <laughs> the same way hoarders have newspapers and cardboard boxes and crap stacked to the ceiling. Brian Taylor still yeah. there? <laughs> Where'd you come from? Got cobwebs on him. You got beat up in a bar fight in 1990. <laughs> There's a strange smell coming that, from somewhere. What's that book? I read that book one time. Uh, the, the art of tidying. My grandpa was there. <laughs> The art of tidying up when you yeah. when you're a hoarder in your yep. house, and you're supposed to lay out, you're supposed to take all the things like all the old clothes that you have that you're hoarding, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to spend just one last minute or two with those items, and <laughs> lay them out on your bed, and touch them, smell them, say goodbye to them. You're saying I need to like you go, need- go s- take a whiff of Royce Lewis real quick, and I think so. Yeah, <laughs> and, then him him and then let them go, and then let them go. 
So hey, here, what's Derek Parks doing there? <laughs> Jeez. Here's the list that makes me nervous. This is this isn't just a prospect. This is the number one overall pick. Okay. And you can go back. Let's go back to 2012 and before, because that's when we have guys that are actually like in the big leagues and performing. Carlos Correa, awesome. Garrett Cole, awesome. Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg, Tim Beckham, major leaguer, but like obviously you'd trade Tim Beckham for sure. what we're talking about here. Yeah. David Price, awesome. Luke Hoshiver, decent reliever for a while, but so that's two two guys that didn't live up. Justin Upton, awesome. Matt Bush, bust. Delman Young, bust. Brian Bullington, bust. Joe Maurer, Adrian Gonzalez, Josh Hamilton, all awesome. Pat Burrell, awesome. So, like, you're not just, just to be clear, you're you're trading a guy who 80% of the time is going to be a multi-time all-star, just so we know that it's not a no prospect that you'd be trading. Mm-hmm. That said, you'd be trading for two and a half years of Noah Syndergaard, and I would, you'd have to give up other prospects to make this thing happen, but I would really push for the, the three years of Edwin Diaz, who's their closer. I, I would say, listen, if we're going to give up the number one overall prospect, well, a top five overall prospect, the number one overall pick from a couple years ago, we're going to take Syndergaard and we're going to take your closer, who's like 25 or 26 years old and strikes everybody out and build the package. Like, if I'm giving up Royce Lewis, I want more than just Syndergaard. I want, a really, I want all of it in one package. Mm-hmm. So if I could trade Royce Lewis and, like, another top 10 prospect and a couple other guys in the top 30... And I get Noah Syndergaard and Edwin. Is it Edwin Diaz? I'm in. I'm in. I don't think they'd do that. With the Mets? I don't think they'd do that. I'm okay. Well, if they're going into rebuild mode. Yeah, but but they're really not. That's what's weird. The White Sox were in rebuild mode when they traded Jose Quintana to the Cubs, and Jose Quintana ain't Noah Syndergaard. And it took Eloy Jimenez, who did you guys see that home run he yeah. hit last night? Holy crap. Yeah, he couldn't hit the ball. He's a large person. Who was the number eight prospect in the country at the time and the Cubs' top prospect. And Dylan Cease, who was the number 63 prospect in the country at the time and the Cubs' top pitching prospect and two more prospects on top of that. It took four prospects, two of which were highly rated to get Jose Quintana and his his three years of contractual control following that season that they had. Well, I will say this. I don't think you can concoct a wider window situation than what the Twins have right now. I don't think you can come up. First of all, you're, they're never going to have a lineup this good ever again in our exactly. lives. Exactly. They will Which never is why have a you need good. to strike now. And if that means trading Royce Lewis. They will never have a lineup this good well, with a lead this wide in the division that guarantees them postseason games. And now all they have to do is tweak. So if there was a time to trade a top, top, top prospect that you plan to hang on to, I want full value on that, but so if it's I'm in I'm in if it's a deal like this. So if this is um, Perks potential Mets trade versus let's say two top twenty prospects to Cleveland for Bauer, which one do you do? I do the Mets. I do the Mets deal. So you do Lewis for Syndergaard instead of two top twenty. I'd prospects. like a re- I'd like them to kick me a reliever. I really would. I, if I'm going to trade Royce Lewis, They'll I want I want to check a reliever. I just don't know that you're going to get the their best reliever. I want to check both those boxes. And I think that's reasonable. Listen, we're going to give you the number one overall pick from a couple of years ago, and he plays shortstop. Give us, well, give us both the things that and other prospects. But they're giving you an ace. They're giving you an ace pitcher. Yeah, four and a half ERA. You this go, is the hardball okay. I'm playing with. Okay, <laughs> well, then right. why not? That's right. Okay, guy, and I hang up the phone to the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> then why not go back to to the Giants for Mad Bomb? Yeah, and uh, they're closer too. Because you can get Mad Bum for, le- for, for less than Royce Lewis. Those. I can get you the Giants closer and Mad Bum in a lesser deal, for sure. I like For sure. Judd sounds like a used car salesman. Right <laughs> I can get you them tomorrow. I'll set you up in the, I'll set you up in a Mad Bum in no time at all. I You'll can be get you the, the Scotch Guard yeah, and the undercoating, no problem. Leather Free of charge. Rami, just let Rami, me talk Rami, to my manager. Rami, 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 what do you want? What do you want? I'm just telling you, Mad Bum, it's, it's yours. It's yours. You, I want you to, I, how can I get you to leave this giant stadium with a Mad Bum and a closer? Because <laughs> you could get that trade. Both both those guys are, are on the last year of their contracts, right? I think that's more doable. I think that is definitely more doable. Okay, here's there's there's a lot of Twins fans like like Nick just chimes in here. Nick, we appreciate you listening, but you're definitely like from the old mindset of Twins fans here. He tweets into the show, 
Don't get your hopes up for a big-name player. The Twins will end up with a couple lesser-known slash disappointing arms that they can quote-unquote fix. <laughs> I don't think that's what's going to happen. I really don't. And I know that they have to prove otherwise because fans have seen this play out a number of times under the old circumstances at the Metrodome with the old front office. This is not the old way of doing things. It might not be a big name, though. He might be right about that. Like, will is Will Smith a big name? In movies. Right. Is not, he a big not name among in baseball? Lefty relievers, exactly. Yeah. But he does he does he fill a need? Yeah, absolutely. He makes you a more dangerous playoff team, no doubt. But if if you got Will Smith in a trade with uh, Bumgarner, that's a huge deal for you, right? If you're a Twins fan, if if you get Will Smith as a standalone, then I think it's a nice pickup, but not deemed to be a huge huge deal. But if that is a uh, two players coming back here and Bumgarner's one of them, that's going to be a big trade. In Twins parlance, that's a big deal, I think. I would think so, too. But if but this depends on what you want. This depends what do you want for now, and do you want that to take you into the future, or are you looking at this as also a immediate window of opportunity in which you're willing to make a trade but don't want to sacrifice way too much, and so you take a couple of guys who might walk away in November, but guess what? If they do and you've won, you don't care. I'm willing to make a move for a rental. I'm absolutely oh willing to make a move for a rental. I'm even willing to trade Lewis or Kirilov for the right rental. You That will not have to happen. I guarantee you that. Rami, I can tell you right now, you're not going to have to trade. No way. You're not leaving. <laughs> Those two are staying on this lot. Rami, they're staying on this lot. <laughs> can you give me the push start? The push start synagogue. Give me the push start keys. It'd be great. Uh, all right. Well, we've we've thrown out in the first half hour of the show here, one from Ken Rosenthal, one from Glenn Perkins. The Ken Rosenthal one was 100% sourced that the Twins and Trevor Bauer could definitely be a thing. The Glenn Perkins one was just flat out reckless. Totally reckless. Yeah. I'm really proud of Glenn, by the way. So am I. For how, just, how quickly he just jumped right in the pool. He's joined the club. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great. So, all right, if you want to chime in, 651-646-8255 or tweet at Score North, S-K-O-R North. Would you trade Royce Lewis for Noah Syndergaard? Real quick, uh, yesterday on the show we had a poll going. Uh, well, I put it up on Twitter. We were talking about the reemergence of short shorts because Stephon Diggs was in the, I saw some today the shortest shorts in the history of shorts at Vikings camp Did yesterday. Did you snap a picture today? Uh, no, I didn't, but I did look this time, and they are unbelievably short. On Diggs again? Does Dig- he have anybody else? Yes. Who, yeah, I didn't who's know. Who's in the short I shorts game? I didn't know the name. Yeah, Garrett Bradbury. Was... Oh, jeez. No. Oh, my God. I was going to ask if any linemen there were. There was a young yeah, receiver. Riley Reef loves short shorts. <laughs> there was a Mike young. Zimmer. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Okay, that's disgusting. <laughs> Would you would you be able to hold a straight face no. if Mike Zimmer's chew, chewing you out with super short shorts? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Anyways, I put the poll out there. I, I wanted to know how long dudes are wearing their shorts nowadays. I gave you four options: below the knee, at the knee, just above, or I show some thigh. 710 votes, 9% below the knee, 41% at the knee, 44% just above the knee. And then uh, Mike Zimmer and the gang, they show some, 6% of them show some thigh. <laughs> the running backs wear long shorts. All the running I'd backs? Like to, I'd like to thank them. Good. Thank you, running backs. <laughs> the receivers, not so much. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> well, let's talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here. Can't verify that anyone at Federated Mutual Insurance Company has a shorts philosophy or belief system, but you can definitely check with them. I mean, if you're a business owner and you wear short shorts, it doesn't matter. They will not discriminate. Long shorts, short shorts, they just want to help you make money and take care of your employees and run your business the way that it needs to be run. So there's all kinds of ups and downs when it comes to running a business. The never-ending sea of problems to solve, but also the exhilaration of those incremental wins. And uh, Federated Insurance is here for all of it. They're signing up for all of it. You can reach out to your local marketing representative at federatedinsurance.com and get over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be in every area. You want a company like Federated 
standing behind their business. Unless that marketing rep is wearing Stefan Diggs shorts, in which case you might want to have a talk with them. But I, I, I'm going to guess they're not going to make you uncomfortable like that. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Reckless speculation. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, Rewind. Go check out Minnesota Sports Rewind. We've had a lot of fun with the first three episodes to this point. Before we dive into some other matters, including pretty soon here, Kirk Cousins spoke today and said some interesting things and was very self-reflective, I guess you could say. Yeah. Jeb was out there for yeah, a camp today. Some stuff on our website. But uh, the two questions we have are, would you trade for Trevor Bauer and what would you give up? And would you trade Royce Lewis for two and a half years of Noah Syndergaard? Let's go to Michael and Egan. You're on the show. What's up, Michael? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Um, I think in the first question, no, I wouldn't want Bauer. Um, I think the Indians, because, you know, we're in the division, would try to, to fleece us so they can, you know, uh, kind of put this towards their their um, fans and say, look what we did. You know, yeah, we got rid of a guy towards a, a you know team in our division, but look what we got. Um, and I wouldn't, I wasn't too impressed with him. And actually, yes, I, I give up Lewis for Syndergaard. And I like the tweak throwing in DS too, because I think, to be honest, if you can do a two for one, um, either with the Mets or if you can do, uh, Smith and, uh, Bumgarden with the Giants, I think that kind of kills two birds with one stone and really makes your team a World Series contender. Yeah. Michael and I are, uh, seeing eye to eye here on the two for one heist. It's a good ask. It's your closer too. I get it. I just don't know. I don't know as uh, tempting as that trade might be. If you are afraid of Syndergaard's uh, previous injury history and potential arm problems, if it wouldn't be easier and a little less dangerous to do a rental, get what you need for now, and and in the end, not have given up as much that you are going to regret in the morning. I think it would still be a pretty high at not, probably not Lewis or Kirloff, but it would still be a pretty high asking price if you're getting Bumgarner and Will Smith. Wouldn't you think? That's not bargain. You're not bargain basement shopping there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now what, the Giants are in an interesting predicament because they're old, they're absolutely awful, and they're probably about at least three years away from being a relevant team again. So I wonder if you could give them a little bit of a sweetener, and let's say it's two top ten prospects, but it's from the bottom of the top ten, so it's not as painful. Because the Giants are the Giants are where, where the Twins probably were or where Houston was at one time, where their system is so depleted, they just need help. They're, they are hitting a reset yeah. of a mass of a massive proportion here. And I just want to reiterate my stance here because I I've been kicking around just trade ideas with people on Twitter and email and stuff. I would not trade Miguel Sano until the off season. Why would you? Why would you trade? A 30-home run hitter who's back, he's mm-hmm. healthy, like he's hitting bombs. It's it's the best power-hitting lineup in the history of baseball when you have other currency that could get you the same things. That's that's what I'm saying. Depends what I can get, to be honest with Teams you. that are trying to win now don't trade assets that are helping them win now. Yes. That's not what you. That's that's not how you operate. No, if you get to the winter and Noah Syndergaard hasn't been traded yet, and you know, and 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 they want Miguel Sano in a trade, and they want to lower their their salary, like okay, but I'm not doing that. In July, if he's got 15 home runs, if the Gi- if the Giants broach his name and say that th- that's what we want, I I make the trade personally. I make that trade. It doesn't bug me that that much because I'm going to move him eventually for sure. And and if the Giants, if a team is stuck on him and that standing between what I want, especially if it's a, a two for one, basically, so I'm getting a starter and a closer or a good bullpen arm. I pulled the trigger on the trade. I guess what I'm saying I see what is, you're, I see what you're saying. I'm just I would do it. And I guess what I'm saying is, anyone who would sit there, let, let's let's use the Giants as an example. Let's say Madison Bumgarner or Will Smith, and they say, "Yep, we'll take Miguel Sano." I don't think it's ever going to be Miguel Sano is the only thing that's appealing to us, or we won't pull the trigger. The Twins right. have enough appealing things that haven't you know, right. reached the big leagues yet. Anything you could get for Miguel Sano, you could get for someone that hasn't played in the big leagues yet. That's my point. The incredible thing about tonight's Twins game is is this. It's June what today? What's the day? 12th. Okay, June 12th. If I was to have gone to you guys on March 15th and said on June 12th, Sano's batting 8th and Buxton's batting ninth, how are the Twins doing? I think we all would have said, oh, that's not really ideal. 
And Martin Perez has been their yeah. like, third best starting pitcher. But eighth and eighth, bad again last night. But eighth and ninth? That's not whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't yeah. sound great. They are batting eighth and ninth tonight for one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, they're batting eighth and ninth because the rest of your lineup is that good, not but, because they are that bad. No, but think about that. Right. Well, I think that I don't Buxton they have definitely found a home for. I think in Sano's case, they are a little bit saying, okay, he can bat eighth. I was just thinking the other day, like I might be close to calling for moving Buxton up in the order. Because I said earlier in the season that if he if he comes out hot at some point. You want to fight about that right now? You have to move him up. But every time I have that thought, yeah. I don't know that there's anybody I want to move down necessarily. And why mess at this point with him having success there for the most part? Because at some point, if you're the best, you one of the I best do? hitters on the team, you got to put your big boy pants on and get as many plate appearances and, as you can get. And I am all for that move starting in spring training in 2020. <laughs> it, things have gone. No, I'm not. I'm so not. You're saying if in, so if in August. Byron Buxton has been is still putting up at 850 OPS, and, and everybody else is is doing what they're doing right no, now. Well, what? But but Byron Buxton, like if you thought this was for real, there's no way you'd bat him ninth because his legs in front of other yes. hitters. Agreed, and I love that idea. I'm not going to mess with with what is working unless everyone, unless a lot of guys go into slumps, and I feel a pressure or a need to move him. I'm not changing what is working for him because I finally got him to a place where he looks to be completely comfortable. But if there was a pie chart of things that are working for Byron Buxton, batting ninth is not number one or number two. I don't think, I don't think if you, if you're, if you said Byron rank the reasons why you're awesome or, or Rocco, but rank the reasons why you're just, you're, you're raking this like season. I don't think he's going to say, Oh, batting ninth is number one, two and three. I think he would say, well, being really comfortable Having confidence in myself and my swing, having a clubhouse that allows me to sort of be who I am and have, like, having less pressure definitely factors in. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to clarify, I know that he is hitting in front of like Jorge Polanco and Max technically right now, but he'd be hitting in front of those guys an extra time frequently right because he'd be starting the game in front of exactly and getting on base and wreaking havoc. And the whole taking the pressure off thing that's great and I think it's worked, but at some point. Byron Buxton's just got to believe that he is this good. It has nothing to do yep. with where he is in the lineup or anything else. All four to twenty twenty. I'm just this good, and if once he believes that, you put him, you can put him anywhere in the lineup. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. And the more plate appearances that he gets, if he's one of your best hitters, the better it is for you as a ball club. Can I throw a name out? Sure. A guy that you know, there's all these amazing stories for the Twins this season, just offensive breakouts. But the number one guy that shows you, okay. There's been a complete paradigm shift behind the scenes with the clubhouse, with offensive systems, and just hitting philosophy. Jason Castro has been in the major leagues for a decade, and he's been a terrible hitter for 10 years. So what happened? And his 589 slugging percentage this year is 200 points better than his career slugging percentage. That dude, did you guys see the swing he put on that ball last night? Yeah. If you you were just to watch... Mm -hmm. That at bat, and you knew nothing about baseball, and you were just plopped down from like some country that just plays cricket, and said, "All right, watch everyone take their plate appearances tonight, and let me know who the best hitters are. Like who who are the the real top dogs in this lineup?" And you watch the swing he put on that ball that went over the the back row in right field into the plaza, and you'd say, "Well, that that's a dude who was hunting for a pitch and got the pitch and did not miss it. Not a guy who frequently hits two eleven and two ten. And uh, you know, scratches his way to ten home runs. The confidence, once in a while. the confidence of this entire thing is off the charts. When Trevor May said last night, "I got up and we're down by two, I'm warming up in the bullpen," and May flat out said, "When Kepler doubled, I knew that when I came in, we would lead." Yeah, and he wasn't joking around. Yeah, there's, like, an, there's an inevitability knew. about this yes. team. Yes, they're Golden State. It's just this weird, and I can't explain it, and I don't know if it's sustainable for years, but it's become this weird momentum flow of things through these guys where everything offensively, for the most part, ordinarily night to night, works out. And May was completely serious. He said, we're down to Kepler doubles, and I said, I'm going in. And by the time I go in, we'll leave. But you know what that was last night? And it's the players and the fans that eventually have to come to this point. We were talking about it, I think it was on Monday. Yeah, because it was Derek and I talking about it. 
on the Score North First Place Twins show, which you can hear Monday through Friday at noon here on 1500 in the Score North mobile app. Um, that there's a switch that flips where you really start to enjoy a season like this when you have the history that a Twins team and Twins fans have where, and I think you saw both sides of it last night, Mariners fans right now are going, when does this thing go wrong when things are going bad? Because that's where they're at in their season. Twins fans and Twins players last night were going, it's just a matter of time before this thing turns around and it starts going right. Yeah. And I don't know if all Twins fans are there yet, but you should be. Yeah. Did you guys have the same feeling off what you guys both just said and what Trevor May said when, Mike Leak Mike Leak left after seven, I think it was. Yeah, it was. And, and he was very good. He wasn't. I don't think he was. I think the Twins, I think he got lucky. Because that last inning, like two line drive outs, well, there's like towering good, fly though. balls. His pitching line was good. He had success. But I watched the game and thought, holy cow, like they should have eight runs right now. And they're going to bring in some slappy reliever. And like <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, even when they were down five to three, in my mind, I was like, they win this game three out of four times. And like there's... I don't remember having that feeling about a Twins team very often in my life where they're losing late in the game and I just I just know they're going to win. And I felt that way last 2006, night. 2006, did you? Yeah, toward the end. Yeah. Well, they also, uh, the, the Mariners have sort of brought this upon themselves. The Mariners are 15 and 40. Oh, yeah, it's awful. In their last 55 games? Yeah. They've been really <laughs> bad since getting That's off hilarious. to a crazy hot start. It's hilarious. Um. I forgot the other thing I was going to tell you guys about the Twins, but I do have a list of the um, total subject change because I want to squeeze this in before we get to Kirk Cousins' talk. Yeah. Uh, one of our coworkers up in digital, do you guys know Jesse, our guy, our buddy Jesse? He's our uh, director of digital here. Or digital manager, I'm whatever terrible with names. You've seen him around. Even I'm I sure know who Jesse is. I'm, I'm sure I'm anyone in the sure I've seen him. Sorry, Jesse. He told me he went to the New Kids on the Block concert last night at the Excel Energy Center. And it was Again, his I'm, fourth, I'm sorry, Jesse. His fourth time seeing New Kids on the Block. And my question to you guys is two-part. Mm-hmm. What's the most embarrassing or you're a little afraid to admit group or musical act that you've seen multiple times in concert? And then what is the group that you've just seen the most in concert? Why are the New Kids playing again? I don't think I have they can because they can sell out arenas and make money. Okay, <laughs> I don't think I have the former. I mean, I've seen Dave Matthews Band in concert a few times, and I know like it's cool to rag on Dave Matthews Band now, but I still like them. I still think they're a good band, and okay. I enjoy their music, so I'm not at all ashamed about well, that. Terrible, but that's but that's probably the closest I would get to the former. Was that your Dave Matthews impression? It's just sort of like what that was. It's sort of like Joe Cocker without all the drugs, just some of the drugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to help with my friends. But uh, the band I've seen the most, more than any other band, I've seen Fish in concert 15 times. (laughs) Yes, sir. That's very grateful, dead of you. You see, and that's a mis. Well, I don't know. No, if I'm call- saying the, the but the fan bases are very. They love them. Okay, so I went to my first Fish concert in. Let's see, I was a sophomore, so that would have been like '95 ish, and uh, there was it was it was like a very normal crowd, and not that not that packed a show. Like it was at Alpine Valley in Wisconsin. We had lawn seats, and it's just a huge grass hill. We walked, we found an, easily found an open spot of grass, put a blanket down, sat down, and enjoyed the show. Between that year and the following year when they were at Alpine Valley, Jerry Garcia died. God rest his soul. I'm not saying anything against Jerry Garcia. The Grateful Dead are people who love the Grateful Dead. But these dirty hippies had nothing better to do after Jerry Garcia died than to just find another band to follow. So now I'm surrounded by hippies trying to sell me veggie burritos every fish show that I try to go to wow. because their band is, is, is no longer touring. I bet those were good, though. They were the veggie burritos were solid. Laced with is a veggie I'm burrito sure. just a burrito without meat? Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. okay. Just you just smoke it instead. It didn't stop me from going and seeing them fourteen <laughs> more times. I was going to say so you didn't you didn't draw a line in the sand there. <laughs> no, what, I didn't. What about you? What's the most em- either embarrassing, the most embarrassing, or the most you've seen a group? Uh, the most embarrassing band that I've gone to see, and I've seen them, I think like three times or so. The Monkees, who I love. But people think that they're I like just the monkeys silly. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the guy I've seen the most probably now because I think I've seen him three or four times is McCartney. 
Okay. No, I didn't go to Green. Really? I didn't go to Lambo to oh, see I'm him. I'm very envious. But I've seen him outdoors twice, and it was just great. Okay. <laughs> Iowa State in '89. Here, uh, the Target Field show. Uh, most embarrassing for me, and I and I own this, and I will happily see this one again. I've seen Daughtry four times in concert, all at casinos. Can you leave now? What is Chris Daughtry? Daughtry. What he is finished that? fourth on American Idol like twelve like, years ago. He finished fourth. Can you give me a song? On American he was Idol. top five on American Idol. Can top you give me? Five. Can you give me a song? Yeah, I don't think you'd know any of his songs okay. unless you like followed his career. Yeah, I've never watched American Idol. Yeah. So so he's uh, he's in there. Okay. Um, it's a tie for the ones I've seen the most. I've seen each of these five times. Journey, Bon Jovi, and Michael McDonald, which maybe could go in the embarrassing least, one. Least surprising thing. See, ever. Michael McDonald is the pioneer say, of McDonald's yacht rock music. Not surprising for Phil. Yeah, I have no problem with any of these except for Daughtry, because like these are all, and I'm not trying to cut down on any music whatsoever here, but these are all like musicians, and I would imagine that even if it's the same set list for a Paul McCartney. Or those bands that you just named that you've seen each five times, or for myself, Fish, like the performance is still different. They have different solos. They have they there are different elements to the show. New Kids on the Block, like those, they have three minute songs that are the same yeah. every time you hear them. I don't they, understand. They, also, they came out in Bruins jerseys last night. Now is that Don, you, is that Donnie or Marky Mark? It's both, isn't it? No, no. Oh, is it no? Mark, was it Marky Mark in there at one point? No. Marky Mark is Donnie the was one just who, Mark, who was Mark. Yeah, Donnie New was kids. part of New Kids. And, and he's in Blue Bloods now, right? Yes. He's super old, so what's he... That's just... Okay. Really Isn't he weird. with Jenny McCarthy? Yes. Yeah. Look at us right now. But he's like my age. That'd be like me being in a is boy he? band now. I think he's really old. Donnie Wahlberg is... I think he's in his 40s. Oh, he's got to be older than that. Donnie Wahlberg? Mark is... So what band was Marky Mark in? He was just a rapper. Uh just I'm going to do that in air quotes. <laughs> he was a rapper. <laughs> you see how you throw that word around there? Uh, Donnie Wahlberg is 49 years old. He's my wow. age. Yeah. yeah. Mark Wahlberg him, is 48. Can you imagine me in a boy band now playing a show? I couldn't imagine you in a boy band see this at now. any point in your life. <laughs> I really want to see this now, Judd. Some of the other members of New Kids on the Block, Jordan Knight is 49. Yeah, Joey McIntyre is 46. It's ridiculous. We should all go next time. Let's do it. We should form a band. What are you talking about? You guys are young compared to this. Self-aware Kirk Cousins. I'm down. When we come back. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.